Well, praise God. We're continuing this series, Life Words, and uh, just continuing to kind of think about uh, words from the Scripture that bring life and help us. And uh, we were, uh, last week we were in the book of Judges, talking about Gideon and uh, finding strength for the fight. Great message and uh, just really helpful for our lives. Today I just want to continue um, in Colossians chapter 2, just a couple of verses really, three verses maybe, um, that I'm going to share with you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, it says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Amen. God, what verse. And uh, I want to jump into that. I've been meditating on these verses for the last maybe month and just kind of like uh, trying to find something in here. I just really felt the Lord, it's a now word. I just think the Lord is speaking it into our lives. And so I want to try and um, unpack it for a little bit this morning just to try and help us. You know, because actually the, the key thing for us as followers of Jesus is not about starting, but it's about continuing. It's about finishing. Do you ever start something and not finish it? One of those decorating projects. You ever tried that? You know, start and then it just sits there for months and uh, nothing changes. And uh, you kind of think, oh, I, I, it's a real pain. It's a challenge for you to finish it. You know, and the truth is that many people start off in Christianity. They go, oh, it's great, you know, Jesus. But actually, it's not the start that's the important. It's the finish. It's walking with Jesus. It's following him. It's applying his truth to your life and finishing what God's called you to do. And that's the context of our lives. You see, it's not just a starting point, but it's living for him. See, Jesus calls people to follow him and to live for him. He doesn't just call us to believe in him. See, even the devil believes in him. Even the demons in hell believe in Jesus. But it's us who believe in him who have chosen to follow him that make the difference. And so I want to talk a little bit today about continuing in him, about walking with him. You see, because that's the context of our Christian life. Uh, Paul says it in Corinthians, he died for all, Jesus died for all, that those who live, that's us, who've been made alive in Christ, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life. In other words, our calling, the context of our lives is, am I following him today? Am I serving him? Am I walking after him? Am I continuing in him? That's the context of what it means to be a Christian. And that's why we're gathered here this morning, because we want to continue. Amen? <laughs> because we want to keep going, because we recognize that there's a challenge to our lives sometimes, that things try and take us away from following Jesus. Anybody else have that fight? Anybody else know what it feels like to say, well, you know, Lord, I started off this week very strong and very committed, and I finished the week a bit, a bit frazzled, a bit unsure of what I was doing and where I was going and what I'm heading. And God, I want to live in that. And so we have to work at it. We have to say, you know what, I'm going to finish. Paul says in Philippians, one of these great verses, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. I don't know about you, but sometimes we have to forget about what's behind, the good and the bad, because that's gone, and we have to say, you know what, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. We used to sing the old hymn, didn't we? I'm pressing on the upward way. I'm not going to sing it for you. New heights, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm pressing on. And so you need to get up tomorrow, whatever's facing you in your day, and you need to say, hey, I'm pressing on. 
I'm following Jesus. I'm continuing in him. I'm going to take hold of everything that he has worked through to take hold of me. And so what does that mean like for ourselves? I want to give you uh, three, three things this morning. And uh, they each have a few little other things to come out of them. But three, just think about three. It'll go quick. First is this. You've got to take responsibility for yourself. You've got to decide, hey, I am pressing on. See, here's the truth. You can't press other people to follow Jesus. No, but you can't do it. If it was down to somebody else influencing you, you know, you can influence people, but you can't make them do it. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's got to come out of you. You've got to say, you know what? I'm taking responsibility. You know, continue to live your lives rooted and built up in him. I love that. This incredible picture of being strong, this incredible picture of, of walking and being connected to the Lord. He says, you've got to take responsibility for yourself. And he uses this phrase, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You know, and I wish then he went, step one, step two, step three, this is how you strengthen yourself. But he doesn't. You know why? Because the Bible's full of ways to strengthen yourself. It's, but the truth is, you've got to do it yourself. So I love that. You've got to strengthen yourself. You know, if you don't strengthen yourself in the walk that you have with God, then you are going to walk weakly and you might even fall down. If you do not strengthen yourself, then you're going to find things that are going to knock you off course, that are going to divert you. You've got to say, hey, you know what? I am continuing in Jesus today, and I'm going to strengthen myself. Some of you are going to find challenges this week, and you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and say, come on now, I'm pressing on. People are going to let you down, and you're going to say, come on now, I'm pressing on. Circumstances are going to overwhelm you. You're going to say, come on now, I'm pressing on. I am not going anywhere, I'm continuing in him because I am rooted and I'm built up and guess what, I'm going to strengthen myself. See, so often we want other people to strengthen us and you know, the truth is that happens and people do strengthen us but if we, if we take responsibility for ourselves, we say, hey, I've been taught to strengthen myself. How do you strengthen yourself? Well, firstly, you have to have the word of God in you. Acts 20, 32, I commit you to God and the word of his grace. See, isn't that amazing? When Paul was leaving his disciples, he committed them to God and the word of his grace. He said, all you need is God and his word and you'll be okay. That's amazing, isn't it? He said, just the word of his grace, which can build you up, listen to this, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among the people of God. That's amazing. In other words, if you will take the word of God seriously in your life, if you will understand what God is saying to you and understand what his word says, then all of a sudden it's like you have an inheritance that's deposited in you. Because all of a sudden when the hell breaks out against you, what you'd say is, hey, I'm picking up this shield of faith and I'm saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What is that? That's the deposit. That's the inheritance that I have. And so I, I want you to think actively. You know what? There is, there is coming a day... And, and it may be upon us when we have to get active, not passive, as believers. And what I mean by that is not that we have to tell the world how badly is. Tom, you know, sometimes I think we waste our time as church screaming at the world. The world's never pretended to be anything other than the world. We pretended to be other than we are. So let's stop doing things that are futile and let's start to say, hey, you know what? I'm lifting up the shield of faith. I am who I, he says I am in Christ. I'm going to be more than a conqueror. How many of you know you can't be a conqueror until you conquer something? Christians want to be conquerors without conquering. Have you know? I'm more than a conqueror. Well, fight then. It's the truth, isn't it? 
Well, he's the conqueror. Yes, he is. And he calls you to be more than a conqueror through what he's done. So stand up, fight. What are you fighting? You're not fighting people. You're fighting principalities and powers. You're fighting demonic strongholds. You're fighting the temptation to sin and to feel sorry for you instead of saying, here I am, I'm lifting up the shield of faith. So I want you to start to hold on to that. I want you to say, you know what? I'm going to strengthen myself. When you feel weak, strengthen yourself in the Lord. See, we all have days when we feel weak and overwhelmed. The difference is how many of us have learned to strengthen ourselves. I'm going to strengthen myself in God. Find strength by the Spirit. Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Sometimes you just got to find strength by getting along with the Spirit and beginning to pray and be walking with God and listening to him. And you've got to start to speak in that heavenly language the Lord has given you. And maybe you've just got to stay in, in that place for a little while because you need to connect your spirit to the Lord. I don't know about you, but the longer I walk with the Lord, the re- more I realize the futility of what I have. I only need him. But we can be so reliant on ourselves, but ourselves isn't enough. Hey, every time I get up here, I realize myself isn't enough to bring a change to our lives, even my life, never mind yours. It's the Spirit of God. And so sometimes you've got to connect with the Spirit of God. How do you strengthen yourself? You have to shut out the other signs, and then sometimes you have to get in that little room with God. I don't care if your little room is a toilet or it's the park. It has to be a place where you meet with God. And start to just recite verses of of the the Lord speaks to you, start to speak in tongues. You start to sing to the Lord and your spirit starts to expand. And all of a sudden you see, they they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We love that bit. They shall walk and not faint. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. How do you mount up with a wing like eagle? Are we all waiting for that little spiritual flutter? Steps felt a bit dodgy then to me. Are we all waiting for the spiritual flutter or are we saying, hey, I'm going to ascend the heights in praise. And as you begin to sing songs of praise to the Lord in the middle of the prison, guess what? The Lord starts to bring himself into your presence. And the stocks are still there physically, but spiritually you're flying. Why? Because you've decided I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. How many of you need to hear this this morning? Oh, three of you, thanks. The rest of you are so spiritual, aren't you? Come on, church, I'm preaching. I'm trying to tell you the truth. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give it to the Lord. How else do you do it? You build each other up. Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up just as the fact you were doing. You see, there's a focus in the Bible about doing good to others. Do to others as you would have them do to you. How do you stay strong? You encourage the people of God. Just by smiling, sometimes that helps. I mean, not now, if you don't want to. Obviously, just pull that face. But sometimes it's better just to smile. Sometimes it's better just to say, how how can I, instead of just being concerned about what's happening in my life, how can I give out of what God's given to me to bless others? Because as you bless others, the Lord says, as you bless others, you get blessed. So if you want to strengthen yourself, you have to be a blessing to other people. That's That's the biblical way. The world says, be blessed first and then give. Bible says, bless others and enjoy the blessing of God. So you've got to get your head around that and say, I'm going to live in the truth of what God is asking me to do and be. It's going to overflow out of the goodness of God. Amen? You've got to take responsibility for yourself. You know, I, I, I've been a pastor for 30 years. 
if everybody who had been through this church, even in my time, was here, we'd be standing remotely in here today. But people have wandered away from the faith because they, t- they think it's everybody else's responsibility to keep them. We know it, don't we? You've got friends who've left because someone hurt them, someone offended them, someone didn't say the right thing, someone didn't look the right way. They thought that somebody else would be the answer to their problem. And actually, they had to take responsibility for walking with God. See, see, we don't preach this because it sounds a bit harsh. But friends, it's the most loving thing I can say to you today is that if you put your hope in me, you are going to be sorely disappointed. But if your hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, then actually you're going to find strength to do what God's called you to do. Take responsibility. Say, you know what? I will not let go. Even if everybody else walks away, Lord, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to follow you, God. I'm not going to take my spiritual cue from other people. I'm going to become a furnace in me for the kingdom of God. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? I preached that sermon years ago. So many thermometers around, aren't they? Oh, it wasn't very good today, was it? Didn't like the worship. Preacher was boring. It's too hot. Measuring spiritual temperature, thermometers. Got lots of those in life. Are you a thermostat? Are you somebody who comes to church and says, man alive, it's boiling in here. I'm going to start dancing any minute now. Man alive, he's boring today, but I'm going to connect with God anyway. See, you've got to say, I'm going to take responsibility. If you're always waiting for someone else to, you know, we try and provide the right atmosphere. But sometimes, you know what? It doesn't matter what we provide. Wouldn't it be great if you all came to church next week saying, I'm ready. Bang, let's go. Rather than I hope they're on it today. Oh, don't sing that song. I hate that song. <laughs> Thermometer thinking. That song won't help me. Well, help yourself. Then it might help the song. Sorry, am I, am I, it's just my introduction today, folks, honestly. We haven't got to the heavy stuff. Yeah. Come on, church. The world needs a church that's on fire. The world needs a church that isn't power, well, I don't know what the word is, miserable, pale, insipid. That's the word, insipid. The world needs a church that's on fire that says, you know what? I'm going to keep myself. Keep yourself in the love of God. Friends, keep yourself in the love of God. You've got to say, today I'm going to rejoice in Jesus. Wednesday morning, get up, middle of the week, and say, thank you, Jesus, another day. I'm ready to live for you. Honestly, we've got to dig deep, church. We've got to dig deep, people of God, because the the world needs the church to be on fire. We need to rise up in who God is. Number one, keep your, take responsibility for yourself. Number two, <laughs> decide to be grateful. Overflowing with thankfulness. Ah. So that means you've got to say thank you to me for this message at the end. Dave, that was wonderful. Thank you very much. See, overflowing with thankfulness is more than just being thankful, isn't it? See, you can be thankful in our very British way. That's lovely. Or you can overflow with thankfulness. You know, at work this week, you can be thankful. You can decide to be grateful. Yeah, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. 
I know it's difficult. I know there's pressure. I know there's time restraint. I know there's expectations. I understand it's a hassle. I get it. I really do. I'm not giving anybody a hard time for that. I get it. But you can be grateful. You can decide, you know what? I'm going to overflow with thankfulness. Wouldn't it be great if instead of being the one who moans at work, you're the ones who thankful? Wouldn't it be great if you spoke words of encouragement rather than joined in with the assassination of the manager? Now, I understand the manager might need assassinating. I get it. But sometimes we've got to speak life, haven't we? Sometimes we've got to say, hey, you know what? I had a great weekend. Sometimes we've got to just declare what the purposes of God are, even in the midst of our desert. Sometimes you have to worship in the desert. Sing, oh, barren woman, break into shouts of joy. You who have never given birth, because greater will be the children of the barren woman. What is that? That's a step of faith. That's something that says, I'm going to be thankful to God. I'm not going to wait until the blessings in my life. I'm going to worship God now. See, anybody can be grateful when the blessings come. We've got to say, as you know, we used to sing the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. When's the last time you counted your blessings? See, we're all so worried about what we don't have in the world. See, the spirit of the age, friends, is robbing us of our thankfulness. The spirit of the age is robbing. I'm, I'm getting into a little prophetic mode now in my preaching. Honestly, the next couple of months, I'm just in that place. because I, I, And I'm not against the world, but I want the church to wake up to be what it's called to be. We've got to start to declare, actually, you know what? There is all kinds of obstacles, but that's not my reality. My reality is Jesus Christ. My reality is the provision of God. I'm, I'm safe in the power of God. I'm safe in his provision. And listen, things might come against me, but actually they won't take my life because my life is in his hands. So we have to start to be thankful. I want you to think of what you overflow with because you do overflow with something. What do you leave behind when you leave the room? I've had to ask myself that on many occasions in my life, and I haven't always liked the answer. What was I concerned with? What was I trying to present? Because the Lord is looking for his people to be a thankful people. You might not have the job you want, friends, but you've got a job. Be thankful. You might not have the partner that you've been praying for, I mean, you might not have a partner. Thanks. But you could have a partner you don't want. So be thankful. You might not have the money in the bank that you would like, but be thankful for what God's given you. See, being thankful isn't difficult if you just change your perspective. Our world is so full of self-centeredness and greed, and people who have everything think they have nothing. I was in the uh, doctor's this week, my dietician's appointment, thank the Lord. <laughs> Always grateful for that pleasure. Some 12-year-old tells him I'm overweight. Anyway, I'm not bitter. I'm joking. And I was sitting in the, it was a new, I hadn't been to this clinic before, I was sitting there, and there's an old boy sitting there when I first got there with crutches, and I sat down and said, morning, he said, morning. And then he went, five weeks ago, my wife 
had a brain operation, brain tumor removed, scarred from here to here. I was like, oh, she's got a bad ending. I said, is she okay? Yeah, she's fine. Their fault, though, isn't it? They should have found out earlier. Okay. Stupid doctors. I was like, they've just saved your wife's life. But all he was like, where's, I have a sense of entitlement that means that they should, then he went to tell me, I've been coming to this clinic for 10 years. Every week, I've got bad legs, and every week they dress my legs. Oh. She had five years before that, I went to a different clinic. 10 years before that, 25 years you've been coming every week to his doctors, and they've been dressing your legs, yeah. He's still miserable. I was like, oh, I was quite nice to my dietician after that. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> Trying my hardest, <laughs> you know. 25 years of care and he still wasn't thankful. What is that about? Friends, I'll tell you what it's about. It's a condition called humanity. And we have to guard our lives because we can just be so ungrateful for the goodness of others and the provision of others in our life because we compare ourselves to those who have more. Bible calls it envy. It's a good old-fashioned word. And it makes us do all kinds of things. If you, want to th if you want to think about it, it's called the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. You say, oh, I wouldn't steal. No, you wouldn't steal, but you might envy what someone else has. Why? It's the same root, love of money. You might, have, you might envy someone else's opportunity because you don't have it. See, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Remember when Dom overtook our church and then his church doubled? And I had to tell everybody, oh, they said, how's Dom doing? I said, it's great. His church is twice the size of mine. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Why? Because sometimes it's hard to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. It's easier to weep with those who are weeping, isn't it? But actually overflowing with thankfulness is, it's amazing what God's doing. Wherever he's doing it, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to be part of the kingdom of God? Isn't it wonderful when people are blessed? We can, anybody can be miserable, friends. I've got to stir up some gratitude. I want to tell you, how thankful are you? See, it was lovely to hear Dave and Jack be thankful for this church. It's lovely to be thankful for them. Isn't it great? We can, we can have that heart. But friends, you know what? If you're going to guard your life, if you're going to continue in him, you've got to get a grateful heart. You've got to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to trust you today. Even though I'm overwhelmed, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me life. Thank you, Lord, that I know you. Thank you, Lord, that I can call you my father. In the middle of this crisis, I can call you my father. Thank you, Lord. And what thankfulness does is it pitches you differently to ungratefulness. It, it points you in a different direction. It sets you off with a heart of faith and opportunity. And you start to look at things differently because you're grateful, because you're excited. I remember uh, as a young pastor going to, going to my church one morning and thinking, where is everybody? And I started to list the people who weren't there, thinking, Scarface, I've got this incredible message. And it's clear as day, I felt the Lord say, I'll just be grateful they show, anybody showed up, Dave. I've heard your message. Good point, Lord. See, it's all about perspective, isn't it? See, numbers don't matter to me really in that sense, mate. I love it when the house is full, but you know what? I love it when there's two of us and we're sharing Jesus. 
because it's all about him, isn't it? None of us have anything without him. You've got to learn a thankful spirit. You've got to learn a thankful heart. What causes you to overflow with thankfulness? See, the Bible says we should be thankful whatever we do. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. That's, that's an interesting verse. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed. Do you know everything you do is done for him? There's none of this, oh, I'm in church today doing church ministry. No, tomorrow when you're at work, it's spiritual ministry. Oh, amen, Dave, great point. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that, do they? How you live at work is just as spiritual as how you worship here. Amen, Dave, great point. If you don't respond, I'm just going to keep going. How you present yourself in the office and in the environment you work in, that's just as spiritual as what you do here. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... If I speak in the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I am a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. You can be spiritual in in the right place. But if if in life you're not full of love and and thankfulness, actually you're not serving the Lord. We've got to be honest with ourselves sometimes, haven't we? doesn't feel quite as good, does it? Actually, that's what overflowing with thankfulness is really all about. I need to keep going because I've got my main point to come. (laughs) This could turn into a long series. See, thankfulness guards our hearts. That's the important bit. Thankfulness guards your heart. If you're thankful for what God's given you, you can rejoice with what God gives to someone else. But if you keep thinking, well, God, I need more, then actually you'll find it hard when God blesses people or when people are blessed in their lives. There's a stingy attitude. And what you know what it does? It sours you. And everybody can taste it off you, actually, because everything you do is just undermined by it. Is it because you've got a personality defect? No, it's just because you haven't learned the art of being thankful. How'd you learn it? Well, you know what? Sometimes you just have to go to the extreme. Just have to start saying thanks to people. Just have to remind yourself, okay, this isn't what I wanted, but I'm so grateful to God that God's still got his hand upon me. See, because when you start to declare that, it starts to change who you are. Hallelujah. Okay, big one, coming now. Number three, don't conform. Now, I know you hear that, but listen to the verse. See to it that no one takes you captive. So everybody say captive. No one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy that depend on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than on Christ. This is a biggie, friends, because what Paul is saying is that it is easy to be taken captive by the thinking and the prevailing attitudes of this world. Let me give you a few examples. Sexual morality. It's easy. We're fighting the fight. I mean, the church in England has already lost. Now, when I say the fight, I'm not talking about the fight with the world. Hey, I'm not expecting people who don't know Jesus to live like believers, and neither should you. Friends, we shout at the world for being being who they are. They're just being who they are. We are new creations in Christ. So we need to judge ourselves, not everybody else. We need to say, hey, this is not for me anymore. If we haven't got the courage to say that's not for me anymore, we can't blame everybody else for saying it's for me. Sometimes we spend our lives barking at the darkness when actually what we should be doing is being the light. And the light is, hey, I'm going to live for Jesus, and that affects how I live sexually as well as every other way. Can we say sex in church? Is that okay? 
because the truth is if we don't live by the standards that the God has asked us to live, then actually it doesn't matter our opinions about this, that, or the other. What matters is am I living according to the biblical principle? See, Thessalonians says this, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust. Okay, let's forget about talking about the world. He's talking to the church. He's saying, listen, if you're going to get rid of the thinking of the world, then you've got to say, actually, how I behave sexually matters to God, and therefore it should matter to me. We just had to remove somebody in Cologne for, who were in the worship team and decided that it would be okay to move in with somebody. And we talked to them about it. They wouldn't change their mind. They wouldn't have, we had to step them down. It caused a ripple the whole way through the church. As young Christians struggled with the teaching of the Bible, that actual, there are sexual morals that we should stick to. See, see we've, we've got to reclaim the thinking. Listen. I'm not here to lambast anybody who doesn't call themselves a Christian about how they live sexually. It's not my business. I don't care. To be honest, I don't even want to do it with the church. But actually, what I need to do is teach people, hey, how you behave sexually affects your walk with God. If you want to continue in him, you've got to think about how you behave. Because there's no point thinking you can get away with it because the Bible clearly says you can. Amen, Dave. Thanks for talking about that. See, so often we want to point at other people. Friends, I'm not interested in pointing other people. Friends, I don't have to worry about your sex and your attitude towards sex. I have to worry about mine. Because I know what goes on in this head. I remember hearing Tony Campolo say once, hi, my name's Tony Campolo, and if you knew what I think about, you wouldn't come to listen to me. And everybody went, oh. And they said, but let's be honest, if I knew what you thought about, I wouldn't have bothered coming to talk to you. That's true, isn't it? See, we've got to deal with the sexual immorality in our heads and in our lives. We've got to take hold of it. Here's some other ways. Bones of contention. Our beliefs concerning religion and salvation by grace through faith. See, our world wants to work everything out and earn their right. See, that's how they believe it's all about value. See, we believe that Jesus died on the cross and therefore we are saved, not by what we do, but by who we believe in what he's done. And so our faith uh, is, is the key to our salvation. Jesus has done it and we don't have to do it. And so there's a, there's a, there's a challenge onto that mentality that just sees it as naive. And we need to say, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to um, work my way into the blessing of God. I'm not trying to see, see, there's something in this, isn't it? You ever had a good week when you get to the end and you think, Jesus must be really pleased because you haven't had a bad week? Just me. And then the following week, you can bet it's going to be a, a stinker. And all of a sudden, you realize that you need the mercy of God again in your own eyes. And Jesus reminds you, well, let me talk to you about the previous week that you thought was good. Because our righteousness isn't good enough. But actually, he is. And what he's done for us is strong enough. And so therefore, we have to live in that. And we have to put to death this attitude of saying, if I can just do this and do this, I'll please God. No, I can just say, you know what is by grace I have been saved through faith. Number three, we need to think about our understanding of success and importance. Because you see, the world is telling us that that's one particular thing. People get celebrity for all kinds of things. Love Island. I've been watching Love Island. 
I've watched it this week. What a load of nonsense. But friends, it shows you the culture that we have. And it shows you what people find important. And here's the truth. Whether it's Love Island or whatever you want it to be, we've all got those things that influence our thinking. And somewhere along the line, you have to say, what is it that I really believe is important in life and significant in life? What is success to me? And success to a follower of Jesus is walking day by day with him. That's it. See, sometimes we're so busy for success that actually we don't walk with him to achieve success. Isn't it amazing how we make decisions without Jesus and when we get lost, we ask him for help? Anybody want to talk about that? Lord, I thought this was the right thing to do. Well, it would have helped if you'd talked to me about it before you made it. See, what we think is success in the world. You see, who is wise understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. For such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Wow. Not many amens in the house this morning, is there? I knew this was going to be a good one. See, sometimes the word of God comes and it's strong. This thing has been sitting on me. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Friends, I'm telling you, the devil wants to deceive you about how you live your life as a follower of Jesus. If he can reduce you to passive, half-hearted, not really involving God, not really leaning on the spirit, he will take you to that place every day, all day. The only person who can stop him is you. See to it that no one takes you captive. I come back to that thing I was reading in the paper the other day about the mother who was outraged because her daughter went a university, went and bought a new car and had to pay £397 for it. And she was outraged that the garage didn't tell her that she couldn't afford to buy it. What is that? That's this. This is nothing. Don't blame me for anything. I can't take responsibility for everything. No, the Bible says, see to it that you are not taken captive through deceptive and uh, philosophy. There's no point saying, well, I didn't understand. You've got to think about it, friends. If you put something before God, you have to decide I'm taking it back. Because the Bible calls that, are you ready for the big religious word? Idolatry. Amen, Dave, great point. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I so want to be able to just preach light and fluffy messages. You know, Jesus loves us, it's going to be okay. And you know what? It is. He does love us, and it is going to be okay. But we still have to guard our hearts that we're not taken captive. Because some of us are taken captive just by the slightest thing. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves disconnected from God and wondering how we find ourselves there. But it's because we chose not to pay attention to that still, small voice. Or it's because we chose to ignore what the Bible said in favor of what we felt was expedient for us. And so the word of God comes to us again, our understanding. Listen to that. Do not harbor selfish ambition in your hearts. Such wisdom does not come from the earth, but is earth, heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you find envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wow. Number four, and then we're done. <laughs> Don't get taken captive on the whole issue of mercy and grace and forgiveness. You know, the world lives in a revenge culture. 
tit for tat. You know, we just got this in the Gulf now, aren't we, Iran? We took their boat, they took ours. Now we're thinking about whether we take their boat back or we do that. It's tit for tat. It's like, well, it's revenge. It's like we've got to work it out. Kingdom of God is mercy and grace. Kingdom of God is forgiveness. Kingdom of God is surrender. We've got to understand that. I was watching on YouTube this week. Somebody put it on. A pastor who was giving his testimony about this young person who was a kind of cocky young teenager. And so one night he was talking to him and the guy was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he punched him in the chest. And he was like, and that brought him to his senses and gave his life to Jesus. I thought maybe he just didn't want to get battered anymore. It's like this macho thing. Friends, you know what? Jesus was, he said some strong things. As far as I know, he never punched anybody in the chest. But he came with mercy and grace. And he taught us to follow him. So if you're going to continue in him, you've got to get right in your head. Hey, I am not into, you know, these big kind of like, I've got to learn to forgive people. I've got to learn to extend grace to people who don't deserve grace because I'm one of those people. I've got to learn to give mercy to people who need mercy because actually I need mercy every day. That's the world I'm going to live in. You see, I, 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 we live in a world that, that, that has no time for that weakness, but actually what you find is where people live in weakness and humility, sooner or later people notice and say, wow. And the church is needing to be in these days community of people who, who say, you know what, I'm not going to live by the, the attitudes and the prevailing circumstances of this world. I'm going to live by the mercy and grace of God. That's going to be the forefront of what I think about. I, I'm, I'm going to live my life based on uh, humility and honoring God. I'm going to live it, uh, show it, show my faith by what I do, as the book of James says. I, I'm going to be someone who lives by faith, not by uh, just external things that I can see. And it's, and it's a mystery to people who don't have it. See, people who don't understand faith, it's a mystery to them. Why you should choose to do your life differently because of what you believe. They don't get it. They're not made new in Christ. But that's okay. You have to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm giving myself to. I'm going to live differently in my area of my morality, my sexual behavior. I'm going to live differently because actually it honors God and it helps me continue in Him. Hey, you've listened really well this morning. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? See, our world is being shaped by the spirit of the age. And, and, and we are not called to criticize the world for not pretending to be religious. I quite like the fact that they don't have to. But church, we mustn't pretend to be greater than we are. We need to just say, you know what, I'm continuing in him. I'm, I'm devoting myself to following him. That, that's all I do. I press on. I press on. And when the going's great, I rejoice and I celebrate and I sing. And when the going's hard, I rejoice and I celebrate and I sing because I'm pressing on to him. And I'm giving thanks. I'm overflowing with it. <laughs> that's a hard thing, isn't it? Do you ever have days when thankfulness just isn't on your radar? 
just lucky to let anybody get out of the room alive. Let's not cultivate it. Hey, I'm going to overflow. You see, see, where it really matters is in those moments. I, I, I can be miserable today. I, I can be bitter today. I, I, I can hold it against people today. And maybe those things are permissible even, but they're not beneficial. So I'm going to rejoice. I, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. Because just five minutes of giving thanks to Jesus will change the focus of my day. See, some of you are going to work for the toughest place. Sing on the way in. I do that every morning before I come to the office. Sing, and I'm the boss. <laughs> I need help. Sing on the way in. Cultivate a thankful heart. Say, Lord, I thank you for this job. I thank you for this way that you provided for my life. Lord, I thank you for the people in it. God, I thank you that you put your hand upon me and that as I go into this place, I come in as a light in a dark place. God, let your name be glorified in my life. Don't do those prayers that say, please, Lord, make them all nice to me today. Because that's not a thankful heart. Say, Lord, I am yours. And where I go today, Lord, you come with me. Thank you, Jesus. See, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, you're able to speak life rather than death. See, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to emphasize this. You know what? Because I honestly believe if we could just be thankful, our whole lives would change. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to bang on about it for a long time until you're thankful. I just think so. It's a culture. It's a culture. Thank you, somebody says. Yeah, that's good. It's a culture that surrounds us. Ungratitude, ingratitude, ungratefulness. It, it, it permeates everything we do. And people's hearts are like, oh, no. Wouldn't it be great if tomorrow at work you'd be the person who's like, hey. And when everybody goes, oh, it's been a tough weekend. Well, hey, you know what? This week can be better. Not, oh, I know. Life sucks, doesn't it? So I'll go and jump off a bridge. Now, I know that's hard because I know that's life. Friends, honestly, I, I'm not immune to it. But honestly, I just think if Jesus was here, he would say, be thankful, guys. I wonder would you stand with me? Time's gone. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. This was written 2,000 years ago. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sound familiar? the world we live in friends we shouldn't be surprised by it and we shouldn't blame people for not being like us what we should do is say hey you know what i'm not going to be taken captive by that philosophy i'm not going to live by that attitude i'm not going to allow that deceptive hollow life take me i'm living for god i'm continuing in him and nothing will take me away from him because i'm going to keep myself in the love of god I'm going to overflow with thankfulness to overcome the barrage of negativity that surrounds my life. See, the Bible says, how do you overcome evil with good? By shouting at it, by telling it you're going to fight it. No, you overcome evil with good.
And so I've preached this word this morning just as a life word because I just think there's life in it, church. You know, you know me, I've been around a long time now. I'm not, I'm not given to histrionics. Well, sometimes I am, but not today. I'm just trying to say to us, the most important thing I can say to you today is continue in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive. Before we go this morning, I just want you to think about your life. I want you to just maybe allow your mind to just think, maybe even allow the spirit just to show you an area of your life where you've been taken captive by the philosophy of this world, where following Jesus is being invaded by the world and by its attitudes, and it's hollow and it's deceptive, and it's not producing life in you. It might be in one of the four areas I've talked about, but it might be in something that's just personal to you, but you know that actually it's a, it's a, a pattern of thinking that is getting in the way of you continuing. The Bible says we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You need to repent of it and say, God, I acknowledge that that's become something in my life that I need to deal with today because, Lord, I want to follow you and I want to continue in you and take hold of your plan and purpose for me. And so in Jesus' name, I pull it down today and I speak the truth in its place that actually you are God, that you love me, that you are leading me into life and that I will devote myself to follow you every day. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for one another. Lord, I, Lord, love, Lord, Lord, this place. I love these people, Lord. You hear me, Lord, you know that's true. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one of them today. Lord, I thank you, Father, that in this day, Lord, in this age, Lord, when people are lovers of so many other things, Lord, we are lovers of God. And so we stand here today and declare we are lovers of God. And we will not give up that love and devotion to you for all the money in the world, Lord, for all the opportunity in the world. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are our savior, our healer, our baptizer in the spirit, and you are our coming king. And we bless you today. And Father, we set against, Lord, uh, Lord, any thinking in our lives, Lord, that would pull us away from you. Lord, we confess it today. Lord, we allow you to expose it by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, we choose today to respond and say, Lord, we will continue in you, strengthened, Lord, in you, and overflowing with thankfulness. Lord, I pray you'd help us to guard our hearts today with the joy and the peace that comes from a thankful heart. I pray your blessing upon this church, this people. Pray your blessing upon the city. Lord, I thank you for your church in the city. I thank you for congregations that are gathered just now. Lord, would you bless your people? Lord, would you make us, Lord, salt and light in this world? Would you make us, Lord, a place, Lord, where a people, Lord, that cannot be hidden, Lord, because the thankfulness, the spirit of thankfulness overflows out of our lives into the world around us. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church.